Hello, my name is Olivia Sahobi. Today I'm here with Robin Hemley and Leela Phillip, who are both the founders of the online magazine Speculative Nonfiction. So personally, I have never encountered this term speculative nonfiction. So Robin, if you could maybe dive in and explain what that might mean. It's one of those things that we can sort of begin the conversation mm -hmm. about, but not overly define, because I think that's one of the problems with a lot of nonfiction these days, these sort of binaries of truth versus fiction and so on. So the idea of speculation within the genre of nonfiction sort of acknowledges that uh, nonfiction, as much as fiction, has imaginative properties, that, that writers are actively engaging um, in thinking about things that don't necessarily only deal with uh, reportage or fact or whatever, and that they uh, are able to, uh, you know, conceive of things about the future, speculate about the future, the past, the present, ha go on a kind of mind journey that uh, is a flight of fancy, what have you. Robin's really given us a great start here. And um, I think what I would add, uh, and what interests me is the way also in speculative, what I would call speculative nonfiction, and I agree there's a long actually history to this, um, facts, particularly natural facts, can open pathways to speculation, but at the bottom, the bottom line is writing is thinking and language. Mm -hmm. So whether you're writing about the real or you're writing about a story that you say is purely imagined, which actually has a dynamic of real in it anyway, because you are located in a place and time as a human being and space. You're always taking in the world through your physical body, and then it is filtered through your imagination. So what I'm interested in in this conversation, and it goes back to, wow, two panels now we've done for AWP on this topic. The first one, Speculative Essay Part 1, Speculative Essay Part 2, which led us to think that really we're not just talking about the essay, we're talking about the larger canon of nonfiction. Speculation is a key element of the writing process. So you can't take that out of nonfiction and say it's only about fact or the real without sort of, um, Making it impoverished, you know? Imp yeah. yeah, making a kind of bonsai where you could have a full <laughs> tree or... A oh, bonsai is interesting, but I was thinking of amputating something <laughs> yeah. critical. Yeah. It, it feels like it's lopping off uh, a genre just where it starts to get interesting. You mentioned the word speculative a lot, corresponding to words such as imagination, flights of fancy, but wouldn't you classify that more as fiction rather than nonfiction? So how does... How do those two words kind of fit together? Oh, well, that's a great question. Um, well, we're talking about genre, and right. we're talking about form. Mm -hmm. For me, I think when I think of, say, a short story, I'm thinking of a narrative form mm -hmm. more than a methodology or a content or approach, because we all know many short stories that are purely autobiographical, and we know that, but we still enjoy them as story because of the form that they're written in. Metaphor doesn't belong to fiction or nonfiction or poetry. Mo metaphor is a kind of cognitive DNA or something. It's how we experience the world. So if you think about metaphor and uh, the power of language, 
uh, we're symbol-making animals, right? And we're storytelling mm -hmm. creatures. It really complicates those definitions of what fiction right. and nonfiction even are. I write both fiction and nonfiction, and uh, there are, there's definitely overlap, and there's hybridity and such, and there are are stories that are um, quite essayistic, um, and there are uh, essays that are narrative. Uh, but I see the whole idea of speculation as a very intentional thing. To speculate is not to just sort of associate, mm -hmm. but it's to actually sort of intentionally think about, um, say, a problem, an idea, a future, a past, and to sort of uh, let one's mind um, consider uh, what that might look like, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And so, to me, that's something that we, I mean, that way that we have, say, speculative fiction. Speculative fiction is something that's been around for a while, and it's not synonymous with science fiction, but it's not far apart from that, and that is often sort of futuristic or uh, dystopian uh, fiction is speculative, but we're saying, okay, we're not necessarily creating characters. We don't have to create characters to think about that future. We don't have to create characters or dramatic situations or dialogue or any of that necessarily, though we can in order to speculate. I was just curious if you could provide some concrete examples just to see exactly what might be classified as speculative nonfiction. Um, so one of the people I uh, think about or have thought about, uh, there's this great essay by Virginia Woolf, very famous essay, Death of a Moth, in which she is supposedly sitting by her window looking out at a field and birds cavorting in the sky, farmers mm -hmm. in the fields and so on, and she notices right close to her a moth fluttering against the window pane trying to get out, and she's fascinated by this moth thinking about its struggle to get outside, and presumably as she's writing, uh, the moth is struggling, and then suddenly it just kind of gives up its struggle and dies. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, let me just read a little passage of, of, about this, and I'll, I'll mention more. The legs agitated themselves once more. I looked as if for the enemy against which he struggled. I looked out of doors. What had happened there? Presumably it was midday and work in the fields had stopped. Stillness and quiet had replaced the previous animation. The birds had taken themselves off to feed in the brooks. The horses stood still. Yet the power was there all the same, massed outside, indifferent, impersonal, not attending to anything in particular. Somehow, it was opposed to the little hay-colored moth. It was useless to try to do anything. One could only watch the extraordinary efforts made by those tiny legs against an oncoming doom, which could, had it chosen, have submerged an entire city, not merely a city, but masses of human beings. Nothing, I knew, had any chance against death. What I love about this uh, essay, which is obviously about mortality and about the struggle against the sort of impersonal uh, forces of nature, uh, is that the moth is a metaphor. Clearly, it does. No one reads this essay to uh, understand the workings of moths. But whether the moth existed or not matters not at all. 
that's where speculation comes in. She uses it as a kind of uh, fulcrum for her own speculation and fear of death. And it seems to me the very word speculation, which actually comes from seeing, I think, the Latin um, speculare or something, which has to do with vision, um, has an element of doubt or questioning in it to speculate, to question, because you don't know. So you're trying to work your way into an understanding Mm -hmm. of something, whether it's a moth and what it means to you and what it represents and all of that. And I think um, there's a connect back to Emerson on the American scene in an interesting way, his very early essay, Nature, where he really makes the case for the spiritual values in, a land, in the facts of a landscape, if you can see them. And of course, for him at that time, he's trying to set up a certain kind of seeing, which is the seeing of the poet, because he has to set that up. But um, his famous transparent eyeball is really that transcendentalist vision of connection and complete, what is that? Is that a fictional moment? Mm-hmm. I mean, he basically says, I think I have it, a couple lines of it right here. Standing on the bare ground, my head bathed by the blithe air and uplifted into infinite space, all mean egotism vanishes, I become the transparent eyeball, I am nothing, I see all, the currents of the universal being circulate through me, I am part and parcel of God. He was actually standing on a street corner in Cambridge, looking at a puddle, he was not in the middle of the American wilderness, and yet it's become an epigram, Mm -hmm. a a really key moment for nature writing and nature writers. So I think there are details that are stressed or not stressed, almost like, you know, notes of music, right? Uh, Mariah Carey singing America the Beautiful is completely different Mm -hmm. than, you know, Frank Sinatra, but it's the same song. So we're talking a lot about color and intensity and that's sort of what I was talking about, you know, in, in those those choices that we make. And also sort of embracing um, not knowing and uncertainty, ambiguity, I think is a really important aspect of this magazine. The idea is that we are going into unknown territories, and those unknown territories are sort of powered by our notions of what's possible, what's impossible, what's speculative, and so on. I think that's well put, and, and I think that's something that's exciting about this magazine is mm-hmm. that we are starting an arena of conversation uh, that that we can't predict quite right. where it's going, but we have some a really great start. We've got some great submissions. Um, mm-hmm. We'll be talking about them in our editor's notes. But again, you know, not to repeat too much, but to go back to Nabokov, he... He would say, well, in high art and pure science, detail is everything. Yeah. Okay. I think I have a better sense of the word speculative nonfiction now, and I loved hearing your stories about how you each came to term with coming across the definition and how you figured out what speculative nonfiction was. And I want to thank you for discussing. Through fourth uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.